Good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, it's Thanksgiving week still, I guess sort of, and uh, I'm thankful you're here today, among other things. Thanks so much for joining us. In just a minute, we're going to start reading in Genesis chapter 4. If you've got a Bible and want to turn there in advance, it'd be great. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen. I want to talk to you today about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And really today, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to express my appreciation to you for your faithfulness in giving and supporting God's work. Zach was just sharing about our giving, and I just wanted to join in with him and echo that. Thank you so much for your faithful financial support here at the Bridge Church. The second thing I want to do is I want to open my heart, and I want to ask you to open your heart and receive what God wants to say to us today. You know, thanksgiving is a compound word. Thanks and giving. And it's my opinion, I I don't think thanks means anything until it's given. Think about that. I don't think thanks means anything until there's an expression of that thanks. And in this Thanksgiving season, I am so thankful for so many things, but I want to talk to you today about the journey I've been on for 50 years now, pouring my heart out to God, pouring my life out to God, learning his word, applying his word. As pastors, what we're called to do is learn God's word, live God's word, and then teach God's word so everyone can learn to live out God's word. And What I'm going to share today is a lifelong journey I've been on, and I say lifelong since I was a young adult, when I first began to learn about giving back to God and learn the heart of God. Because here's the thing about God's Word. You learn it here, you apply it to your life, and then you keep living it, and over time you can say, here's what I've learned. See, if you don't live it, you don't really learn it. Is that hitting home? Well, I, you know, I heard somebody say, well, I tried God. It didn't work for me. You don't try God. You follow his instructions. You give your life to him. You let him work. And then over a period of time, you say, wow, look what God has done. And it's the same with every area of spiritual life. And that's what I want to get into today. Because I'm going to tell you something. I am a blessed man. God has been so good to me. But I want everybody who walks through these doors and hears God's word, I want you all to know God will bless you too. He wants to bless you. And he shows us in his word how to live a life that's blessed. So I'm going to dive into that today. And and I hope you can take what you learn here and get it down here where it becomes a part of your life and it rules every area of your life so that you see God's hand of blessing working in your life. So let me just take a minute and set this up and tell you this, because I already know this. For those of you who don't know that I know this, I want you to know that I know this today. Okay, some of you think, well, sometimes I think he's a little slow. Okay, when it comes to this topic, I'm not. So let me tell you, no, no topic that a pastor talks about stirs up more emotions than giving. 
See, I say giving, and I can already feel it coming back at me. How dare you? How dare you take me on? Why would you talk about that? Because God's word is jammed full of it. But there's explanation to it, and I'm going to get into that today. And I've often wondered through the years, why is this such a struggle for people to hear and learn about giving? Why is that? You know, the last time we talked about giving, it's been almost a year now. We don't talk about it often. We, we, we thank you on Sunday mornings. We don't teach on it a lot. But the last time we did, you know, I, I got a couple of emails, people that weren't happy. How dare you talk about giving? Uh, so I'm, I'm ready for it this week. So if it comes, it comes, okay? <laughs> but why do people not want to hear this? Well, one reason is fear. Because people live with a fear of not having enough. For some people, it's control. It's my money, I'll control it and do what I want to do with it. Not God or anybody else to tell me what to do. For some people, it's wealth. I've got wealth, and in order for me to be wealthy, I have to control my wealth so I can enjoy my lifestyle. For some people, it's poverty. I don't have much, so I can't give anything away. For a lot of us, everybody smile at me. Yeah. For a lot of us, it's mismanagement. Don't need to spend any time there. For some of us, it's the love of money. Just love it so much. I've got to have more, 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 more. But I think for many of us, it's simply a matter of the fact that we've not had good biblical teaching and we don't understand scripturally what God says about giving and why he says it. So today I'm going to fairly go where no one else wants to go. And I'm going to talk to you about giving for a few minutes. But I'm going to share four things that I have learned from Scripture and lived. And I promise you this is true and it works. Number one, four things. Number one, my giving is an act of worship and obedience to God. My giving is an act of worship and obedience to God. Before there was an Old Testament law about tithing, God established giving as worship and obedience to himself. And that worship and obedience that God asked for came with a price. Now I'm going to show this to you from Scripture, help you understand it. Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to read in just a minute a couple verses from there. But here's the story. You have Adam and Eve, the first human beings, and then they have offspring, the first of whom are their two sons, Cain and Abel. We know that Cain killed Abel, but let's back up for a moment. What started the whole thing was God asked Cain and Abel, both of them, to bring something to him, to honor him, to worship him. God asked for a specific kind of sacrifice and said, here's what I want. Bring this as worship to me and I'll accept it as worship to me. Obey me in this. Scripture says that Abel brought to God from his flocks his first and his best. The first thing that he received as a blessing from God and the very best of what he had, he brought it to God and offered it. And Scripture says that God accepted the sacrifice. Now, we don't know exactly how God accepted it, but a lot of theologians believe that God sent fire from heaven and consumed that sacrifice, and that was God saying, I accept this. But then Cain comes along, and Cain, who was a farmer, brought some of the crops that he had raised, and he laid it before God, and nothing happened. 
And God said, I don't accept that. And it says that Cain got angry because God would not accept his sacrifice. And it was not what God asked for. Now notice this. We picked the story up in verse number 6 of Genesis 4. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you bring what I asked, I will accept that. But if not, if you do not do well, sin lies at your door and its desire is for you, but you should learn to rule over it. You see, I'll get into this more later, but everything we have in this life is a blessing from God. God owns everything, whether we want to recognize it or not. If he wants to repossess things out of our lives, he, he can do it anytime he wants to. And so he said to Cain and Abel, look, you're the second generation of people. I want you to learn to honor me and worship me. So I have blessed you with all of this. Bring me this specific sacrifice. So Abel brought his sac- sacrifice. God accepted it. Cain brought an offering Something he wanted to give God, and God said, I don't want that. This is what I want. This exact thing. Now, you got to realize, the offering God asked for, a lamb, if you will, it was very valuable because it was food for the future. It could reproduce in the future and create more money. And they lived in an agricultural society, and God said, when you come to worship me, you you need to bring me something that costs you something. And you recognize that everything you have is from me, so you honor me in your giving. But here's what Cain did. Cain basically looked in the face of God and said, I'll give you what I want to give you, and you'll have to learn to be happy with it. And God said, I'm not going to accept that. Cain got so angry, he turned it toward his brother, and he went out and killed his brother because he was jealous of his brother's heart. You see, giving starts in the heart. And there's an old saying that says, if I do not master money, money will master me. And it's so true. Giving is learned in the heart, not just in the head. We're taught it here, but we have to learn to practice it so it becomes a part of our heart and a part of our lives. Now, to give you a little more Old Testament history, Abraham, before there was like 400 and some years, maybe 500 years, before there was ever Old Testament law for Israel, Abraham gave a tenth, a tithe of all that God had blessed him with, to Melchizedek the priest. His grandson Jacob made a commitment to God and said, if you'll be my God and bless me, I'll always give you a tenth of everything that increases. And this principle of tithe is seen in Scripture even before there's Old Testament law. Now, not only did God later give Israel the law of the tithe, he said, bring to me the first tenth of every, everything you earn, all of your increase. Bring me that first part. Bring me that first tenth. But he also talked about offerings for special things. He talked about alms to give to those who were poor. God established it among his people that we would always have hearts to give. And when we honor God with our giving as worship and obedience, God blesses it back into our lives. Now, I want to give you a couple things real quickly, and I want you to grasp this. This is still in part number one of my message. If we understand giving from Scripture... 
If we see it as worship and obedience to God, it establishes God's spiritual blessings as more valuable than natural physical blessings. See, we live in a world that we honor material things, but we don't think much about spiritual things, their value. God is trying to establish in our hearts that spiritual things are more valuable than material things. Because you can't buy spiritual things. And you may have all the money in the world, but there will be situations in life that money will not solve your problems. But God, by his spirit, can solve every spiritual problem that we have, every physical problem, every material problem. God's presence can meet every need. And God wants to establish in our hearts the importance of spiritual things over material things. So if my giving becomes an act of worship and obedience to God, it will free me from living in bondage to the fear of lack. Because I realize through my giving, I'm honoring God and God will bless me for my faithfulness in honoring him. So God's trying to establish that in our hearts. And doesn't every believer want to worship and honor and obey God? Of course we do. And our giving is an act of worship and obedience to God. Number two, second thing, my giving is an expression of my thanks to God for his provision. My giving is an expression of thanks to God for his provision. So number one, it's an act of worship and obedience. Number two, it comes from a grateful heart. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've blessed my life so very much. A lot of people don't realize that God is the source of every good and perfect gift, including our daily provision. God's the source of all that. And we need to learn to be thankful for his provision. And for those of you who might not know this, yes, God is concerned about our basic life needs. Jesus taught that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And when God provides for us, we should be thankful for his provision and honor him and give back to him because he's so faithful to us. And we should do so out of a grateful heart. Now, in the Old Testament, the psalmist understood this. The psalmist David in, in Psalms 107 wrote these words, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Well, I would dare say that every believer in the house today says, oh yeah, we need to give thanks to God. Here's what he says next. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. You see, David talks about the sacrifices of thanksgiving. That's something else that God gave us in the Old Testament law. He said, there are times you need to bring a sacrifice, a lamb or a specific animal. You need to bring this as a sacrifice. It costs you something, but you bring it to God just to declare, God, I'm so grateful for your blessing in my life. We need to learn to give out of grateful hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about the fact that we need to learn to, learn, learn to give and live as cheerful givers. I know what happens in church service. Somebody stand up here to talk and all of a sudden they show on the screen, here's the different ways you can give. Oh boy, here we go again. I gotta give. You don't have, you don't gotta give. You don't, you don't gotta give because it's a matter of the heart. 
Paul said that God loves a cheerful giver. And literally in the original writings, it means hilarious. <laughs> Time to give again. <laughs> I, I, I love watching people's faces when I just said that. We need to learn to be cheerful givers. Why? Because it comes as an expression of thanksgiving from our hearts. But not only that, 2 Corinthians 9, in this passage, here's what Paul said. He said, giving creates a cycle of thanksgiving that just keeps repeating itself. It says, when I give in thanks, somebody's going to be blessed by that. And when people are blessed by that, they give thanks to God. And God blesses it back into our lives. And we're blessed again. We thank God again. We give again. And somebody's blessed again. And this cycle just keeps turning and turning and turning because we want to give thanks to God for his goodness. I'm going to tell you something. If there's no other reason in the world, we need to be giving to God just because he's so good to us. He's a good God. We need to be thankful for his blessings. Giving is an expression of my thanks to God for his provision. Number three, my giving has a purpose. My giving has a purpose. When I was a little kid, I remember the first Sunday school class I ever went to. I've told this story before. I was like four, maybe five years old. And I'd go to church with my folks, but I wouldn't go to my Sunday school class. I stayed with them. I was kind of quiet and bashful, just like I am now. And so, you know, I was a little, little backward, didn't want to go to... And one day, this pretty young lady, she was probably 20 years old, walked up and rolled her big brown eyes at me and said, you want to go to Sunday school with me? And I said, well, of course, I'd go to Sunday school with you. <laughs> so... So I wound up in the, in the kindergarten girl's Sunday school class. I was the only boy in there. I, can you say praise the Lord for that? You know, made an impression on my life. But I remember in that Sunday school class, they had a picture of Jesus on the wall. And they said, we need to give our offerings to God. And, you know, all the kids would put their pennies and nickels and dimes, quarters, whatever. They'd put their money in the offering plate. And they said, we're giving to Jesus. And as a little boy, I wondered, I wonder what day of the week Jesus comes to church and picks up all that money. But I learned something. Giving has a purpose. Now, the rest of my message, I'm going to look at Malachi chapter 3, and I want you to understand it, okay? For those of you that know Malachi 3, listen to what I have to say today. We're going to first look at verse number 10, just the first part of the verse. Malachi 3, verse 10. Here's what God says to his people. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's tithes? Tithe means a tenth. The tenth of all of your increase. Every time there's an increase in your life, bring the tithe, 10%, into the storehouse that there may be food or provision in my house. God said, bring tithe into the storehouse that my house will be provided for. This week, being Thanksgiving week, I, I was counting my blessings. And you know, I'm a big picture guy and I'm not a lot of details sometimes, but as I've sitting down counting my blessings, I had to just stop and say, God, thank you for this amazing church that I belong to. This house is an amazing place. To come in here on Sunday mornings, and I, I get to sit through two services. It's really good when I'm preaching. When I'm not preaching, I got to listen to somebody else twice. But, you know... <laughs> 
to come in this house and hear these people worshiping God and follow this worship team and seeing people lift their hands and, and then God shows up in the house and just fills it with his presence and you just know God is here. I am so thankful for God's house. I'm so thankful for what happens here in God's house. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just because I'm pastor. If I wasn't pastor here, I'd still come to church here because it's an amazing place. It's God's house and God shows up when we gather. But you know, there are things that happen here in God's house that don't happen anywhere else. Jesus said, if two or three of you gather in my name, I'll show up. We start praising God, he shows up, he inhabits our praise. Jesus even went so far to say, if you'll pray and agree, we have prayer teams to meet with you at the end of services. If two of you pray and agree on anything, he said, I'll do it. And I'm going to tell you something, week after week after week, we hear amazing stories of miracles and things that God's doing in people's lives. And I'm going to tell you, things happen right here that don't happen anywhere else because it's God's house. And I love God's house. But not only that, not only that, I was talking with the family a couple weeks ago. And they were sharing with me, they said, it's so cool here because all four generations of our living family worship here every Sunday. And I thought, wow, wow. From grandpas and grandmas to moms and dads all the way down to little children, they're learning the ways of God and they're worshiping God together. What a testimony. What an amazing place. But you know, if I asked you today, do you see God doing amazing things in this house? Do you see it with me? Do you, do you, know, do you experience it week by week? Do you know why it happens? It happens because faithful people, you and me, are giving to provide for this house. We set the table for God to minister to his people every single Sunday. It's our giving that sets the table. So here we go. Get down to the critical part. Well, what happens to all that money that's given? Where does it go? Let me take a couple of minutes and tell you where our giving goes. Number one, we've got a pretty amazing facility here. We really do. Great auditorium, great children's area. We've got great youth area. It, it, you have no idea what it costs just to fire this place up on Sundays and heat and cool it on a regular basis. You know what you're paying at home, multiply that several times. It's expensive just maintaining this place. Somebody said, oh, I thought we built this building 17 years ago, and oh, I thought it was paid for in cash. No, 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 we borrowed $8.3 million, and we're still paying that down today, okay? Just like you have a mortgage. We pay that every single month. It's expensive maintaining this house. Now, let me, let me just give you something to think about. I asked first service this. I'll ask it second service. How many of you think it's too loud on Sunday mornings in here? Three or four of you. Okay, it's always three. You're in a minority, just know that, okay? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm getting to the age where it's too loud for me because I'm midlife now. But here, here's, here's the point. Part of the reason is when we moved in this building, we put every penny we could in here to get this building built. I was on staff back then. And we put a simple sound system in here because it was all we could afford. This sound system, the speakers in here 17 years old, 17 plus. 
Some of the power amps and things we have are over 20 years old. Our, our stuff, a lot of it's totally outdated. And we don't have enough speakers to really cover this building. So a few months ago, we thought, okay, let, let's just look at what it would cost to put an up-to-date sound system in here. Anybody have any idea what they quoted that at? $600,000 plus. Where'd all the money go that church takes in? That, that's where part of it will go in the future. It's expensive running a church. Children's ministry. We provide an amazing children's ministry on Sunday morning. It costs money to run that. We have a great youth service. I'm going to tell you something. It is so cool that on Wednesday nights, we'll have anywhere from two to 300 teenagers out there singing, praising, worshiping God, and being taught God's word. And I don't regret one penny we spend on our children and our teenagers. Not one penny. Office supplies, office equipment, computers, printers, so on and so forth. The supplies we go through, it costs a lot of money. Promoting and advertising to tell people what's going on here costs money. You got cards to give out to your friends and invite them to church. Costs money. Let me tell you something else cool. Our church right now, connect groups. We've got over 50 connect groups, more than we've ever had before. Did you know if we add in the youth on Sunday morning, we've got close to 1,100 people in connect groups right now, connecting, praying, and, and studying God's word together. God's doing amazing things in those connect groups. But it costs money to provide materials for those groups. Then, of course, there's our outreach, our missions. We're putting thousands and thousands of dollars into ministries all around the world. It comes from the church budget and the income of the church. Community care on an average Sunday will give away food to about 100 families, which will total over 300 people. And it costs money to do that. <clears throat> now, everybody take a deep breath. I'm going to get really unspiritual here for a minute. <clears throat> Salaries. We pay those who work at the church. Did you know that? They receive salaries. They receive income. They receive wages. Scripture says a servant's worthy of his wages. Where does it come from? It comes from our giving. What about the pastors? This is where it gets interesting. Paul said, if we give spiritual things to you, is it really a big deal that you give material things back to us? See, Paul understood that spiritual things are more valuable than material things. And we have a standard by which we determine people's salaries that is average with churches our size all across the country. We don't do things in a crazy manner. But I'm here to tell you today, everything we give keeps God's house up and running and healthy. And all of our money is well spent. And the bridge is in a good place. But I'm going to tell you something. We could do a whole lot more if everybody was giving as God's word asks us. I'm not here to condemn anybody today. I'm not here to put anybody down. You probably won't hear me talk about giving for another year. But I'm here to tell you, there's a life of blessing that comes when we understand there's a purpose for our giving. And let me illustrate it to you this way. You see this right here? There's not a lot here. There's got a few dollars. You take this right here, you put it in an offering plate, and God will turn this into lives that are changed, and he will bless people and change them forever, even for eternity. And our giving makes a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. We all love God's house, and there's a purpose for our giving. Last part of my message. I'm going to finish in Malachi chapter 3. 
God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. This is one of those things that I had to learn, and it took me a while to learn it and then get it down to here because I read Scripture and I misinterpreted things. In Malachi 3, here's what God said. Prove me. Prove me. Literally, he said, test me and see if I'm telling you the truth or not. And I want to show you what it says. Verse number 10. Let's go back there. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Put me to the test, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, pause here just a moment. God says, bring all the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse, into my house. Try me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven. See, we misinterpret that to say, oh, I'm going to put... $50 in the offering, and then this week, God's going to help me win the lottery. I'll never have to give again the rest of my life. It's not what God says. It's talking about getting it from here down to here where I say God is my source, and every time he blesses me, I'm going to bring my tithe into the storehouse to build his house, and I'm going to tell you something, friend. Here's principle number four. It takes faith and trust in God to give. And it took me a while to learn that one. It's not like throw it in God's slot machine and maybe my numbers line up this time. doesn't work that way. Well, maybe I will win the lottery this week. doesn't work that way. It becomes a part of my lifestyle where I look back 50 years and I say, I don't know how I came through all of that and got to here today. All I can tell you is I started back there and I've lived this life and I've trusted God and I've done it by faith and God has been really, really good to me and blessed my life. That's the story. That's the story. But, you know, we live in this world. Push a button and get it right now. Okay, I'm going to give something this week. And if, oh, I tried giving. It didn't work for me. You don't try giving and it doesn't work. Either you give or you don't give, and it becomes a part of your lifestyle. And when it becomes a part of your lifestyle, God just blesses you and blesses you and blesses you. Now, I've got to read further. I'm almost, almost out of time. Don't pay attention to that screen back there. I'm almost out of time. Verse 11. Here's what God says. If you do this, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And one more verse, verse 12. All nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I will not argue with people about the principle of the tithe. Some people say, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, well, the New Testament, when they started the church, everybody kept, went and sold everything they had and gave it all to the church. How many of you are ready to go back to 10%? <laughs> I, won't, I won't argue with people about this. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust in God that says, God promised this. God will do this in my life. If I do my part in obedience to him, And in faith, God will bless my life. God will bless my life. So when we learn 
to give. I'm almost finished, so stay with me. When we learn to give, God opens the windows of heaven over our lives. We, we find blessing we never could have produced on our own. When we learn to give, God rebukes the devourer for our sakes. The enemy who's always trying to steal, kill, and destroy, God steps in and says, ah, 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 ah. I'm here to give life abundantly. He's trusting me. He's living by faith. Leave his stuff alone. Just leave him alone. I'm going to take care of him. That's what God says. When we learn to give, God protects the labor, the work of our hands. When we learn to give, God blesses our lives and people notice it. All of this happens because of our faith and our trust in God. What does God want from us above all else? He wants to be believed. He wants us to grasp this and say, yeah, I'll make it a part of my life and I'll let God be God. Philippians 4 says that God sees our giving and God keeps an account. See, we, we have to keep records when you give for your annual statements for the IRS. For You can write it off. We keep an account. God keeps better books than we do. God keeps an account of our giving. Scripture says one day Jesus went into the temple and took his disciples. And he went and sat by the treasury and watched people as they gave. How would it affect our lives if, if we thought every time we went to church, God's sitting by the offering box? Think about that. And as he sat there, this woman comes by, and you know, all these guys are throwing in their big bills. This little woman comes by and throws in a penny. And they're kind of laughing at her. And Jesus said, she gave more than everybody else because they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her lack. It was an expression of her faith and trust in God. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul likened our giving unto planting seed. He said, you give to God, it's like planting seed. And in time, God brings that back to you many times over. But you got to have faith and trust in God. Several years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago now. Yeah, probably 12, 13 years ago. There was a gentleman who started attending our church, he and his wife, They've become dear friends. They've been with us a lot of years now. Came from a different church background. One Sunday, I'd preached a message about tithing and giving. And about nine months later, I was walking around the lobby on a Sunday morning, and this guy walks up to me and says, hey, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, you know, several months ago, you preached that message, like nine months ago, about tithing. I said, yeah. He said, I'd never heard that before. He said, but I started doing it. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. I own my own business, and I cannot believe how my business has boomed the last nine months since I started believing God's word and taking him at his word. He said, my business is just growing crazy. And he said, the cool thing is, and listen to this. He said, the cool thing is today, I, I just did something with my business, made some money. I'm putting a check in for $12,000 for wherever the church needs it because God's blessed me so much. Let me tell you something. Don't tell me God doesn't bless you. As we give to him in faith, God will bless us. For our giving. And I know that every person in this place wants to be a person of faith. You want to see God bless your life. So I want to pray for you today. And I'm going to pray God's blessing upon every person who gives. I'm going to pray that God will open up our understanding, our hearts. This doesn't affect me, it doesn't affect my lifestyle. 
I want to see you blessed. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for you today, okay? Father, I thank you for amazing people. We've committed our lives to you and we're seeing your blessing every day. God, I'm praying that you will teach us to understand the principles of giving. You're a giver and you want us to learn to give back to you. So Father, we want to learn to be a blessing. So I ask you that you would use this word today to check our hearts, to help us understand the correction we need turn our hearts in such a way that we can not only obey you, but we can cheerfully give back to you and see you bless our lives. God, help us to walk into that lifestyle of giving so that we walk into a lifestyle of blessing. And God, I pray for those who are hurting and struggling today that you would speak to their hearts about the fact that you want to be their source and show them how to respond to you in faith today. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Bless your people as you promised. Bless your people. Open the windows of heaven over our lives that we can be blessed and then be a blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed for one more moment. Just before I finish, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've listened to this message Maybe you're not in relationship with God. Maybe you, you don't consider God to be your father. Maybe you've listened to this and you're, you've been amazed to hear for the first time that God's concerned about all of your needs. He absolutely is. Maybe you're amazed to, to hear that God's concerned about what you're struggling with today and, and what material things you're, con, you're concerned with. Maybe you're amazed to hear that God wants to bless your life. I'm going to tell you something. God loves us so much, he gave, he gave, he gave his son to die on a cross to bring us into relationship with him that he could get involved in every area of our lives. And today all he's asking for is for us to respond to him. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God, but maybe something right here is saying, you know what, this is real, I sense it in my heart, this is real. Maybe God is knocking on your heart and it's time for you to just open up and say, God, come in. You say, how do I do that? Well, you do it in words, with prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm just going to ask you to wrap your heart around these words and wrap your faith around these words. Open up your heart and let God get involved in your life today as I pray. Father, I come to you now, and I need you. God, I need you to get involved in my life, and I realize today I need you, and I give my life back to you. I believe Jesus died for my sin, was raised from the dead, I believe he paid the full price for me to come into relationship with you. So I look to you today and I ask you to forgive me of my failure and my sin. I turn my heart to you. I'll follow you. I want to learn your ways. I want to be everything that you want me to be. And I want you to be the God you said you would be in your word. So I open my heart. I receive you today. From this day forward, you'll be my father and I'll be your child. Thank you for calling me and receiving me. Amen. Amen. Just before we go, last thing. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time here in the house, if you're watching online, we want to help you get started building relationship with God. So we want to give you a little gift, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. Simple reading to get you started in this new journey of life. This is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. So when service is over today, if you're in the house, 
We'll have prayer teams right here at the front of the building. They're just everyday people. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can you give me the book? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. If you just want to get the book and go, that's fine. If you're in a really big rush today, out in the middle of the lobby, as you exit in the middle of the glass doors, there's a screen and a counter set up there. It says the next seven days. If you're in a hurry, you can stop by there instead. Just say, hey, can you give me the book? They'll give it to you there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. And if you prayed that prayer today, here in the building or online, we want you to know that we are excited that you are now a part of the family of God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new family members today? Hey, are you grateful for God's word, God's blessing? Hey, Thanksgiving, be thankful, bless the Lord, let him bless you. I want you to have a great, great week as we go into Christmas season. God bless you. We'll see you next time.